Hello and welcome to EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. In my view, should codify Roe for once and for all. Abortion extremism. President Joe Biden unapologetically continues his push for abortion access as more states enact laws to protect the unborn. Virginia Allen, senior news producer and podcast host for The Daily Signal, joins us in studio to discuss Biden's abortion extremism and the latest pro-life laws enacted across the country. Supporting Mothers. A new poll finds a majority of Americans support pregnancy resource centers and maternity homes, despite the recent uptick in violence against them. Jorel Godzi, president of Heartbeat International, explains the importance of pro-life centers and shares the details of the poll's findings. Faith produces miracles. A mother of four was diagnosed with terminal breast cancer while pregnant with her youngest son. She shares her story of hope and how she beat the odds when she chose life for her baby. A day before Women's Equality Day, President Joe Biden released a statement doubling down on his support for abortion once again and said that the progress of women over the years can be contributed to the ability to kill their own children. He said, quote, my administration is doing everything in its power to protect access to the reproductive health care that generations of women and activists have fought for, including abortion. We will continue to defend reproductive rights, which are integral to gender equality and the fundamental freedoms America Americans hold dear. The president's statement comes as even more states enact pro-life laws, including Texas, Tennessee, and Idaho. Biden isn't the only baptized Catholic in public office who continues to be tone-deaf to the people on this issue. Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi attended a roundtable discussion on Women's Equality Day and called pro-life laws sinful. The fact that this is such an assault on women of color and women lower-income families is just sinful. It's sinful. Uh, it's wrong that they would be able to say to women what they think women should be doing with their lives and their bodies, but it's sinful, the injustice of it all. And joining us here at the top of our show is Virginia Allen, senior news producer and podcast host for The Daily Signal. Virginia, thanks so much for joining me. Let's start by talking about what we just heard from President Biden and Nancy Pelosi. You know, on the day President Biden um, met with elected officials from several states, including Kansas, Maryland, New York, we were celebrating Women's Equality Day. Uh, let's take a listen to what he had to say. As I said, um the court got Roe right for nearly 50 years. And uh, Congress, in my view, should codify Roe for once and for all. But right now, we're short a handful of votes. And Virginia, he also said that the fact that states are passing pro-life laws goes beyond the pale. Are you surprised by this at all? Unfortunately, I'm not surprised. This is exactly what we've seen time and time again from President Biden and really the entire Biden administration. You know, the culture of life is winning across America. It's spreading and it's evident by states like Texas, Tennessee and Idaho that have put laws in place to not only protect life, but to protect life from the moment of conception. As of last Thursday, now 
a child is protected from that very, very first moment when life begins in these three states, and it's just really exciting to yeah, see. Yeah, that is so exciting. And can you share a little more detail about those new laws that were just passed and really what they mean when we're looking at laws, you know, being enacted to save lives across the country. Right. So in anticipation of Roe v. Wade being overturned, there were 13 states that put what we call trigger laws in place. These are pro-life laws that would protect life. And for some of those laws, there was a waiting period after Roe was overturned in order for those laws to go into effect. So that was the case in Tennessee, Texas, and Idaho. So now what we're seeing is that life is protected from that moment of conception in Idaho, that part of their law has been blocked. A federal judge blocked a portion um, of that law that is uh, the part that is um, punishments for doctors who perform abortions. Mm -hmm. So the way that the law is written is a doctor could lose their medical license for performing an abortion or could face two to five years in prison. Well, the Biden administration filed a lawsuit over this portion of the law, and now a federal judge has temporarily blocked it, so we're going to wait and see what happens mm -hmm. there. Yes, we'll continue to track that before. And of course, the Biden administration had something to say specifically about these trigger laws. Um, they called them attacks against the fundamental rights of Americans. Your thoughts? <laughs> well, you know, this is the Biden administration really attacking federalism, right? Because what happened when Roe v. Wade was overturned is now at, at the state, at the local level, individuals who live in that state and their elected state officials get to make decisions about how they're moving forward on the issue of life. Right. And so for the president to try and stand in the way of that happening is a direct attack on states' rights. Oh, so unfortunate. And another way that states are looking to legislate on abortion is via ballot amendments, you know? And we saw that with the Value Them Both Amendment in Kansas, these can be really unpredictable. They don't always go our way. So what should voters be looking out for in the states where ballot um, initiatives are happening? Could you, could you tell us which states we should be looking at there? Yeah, so this is fascinating to see. As you mentioned, Kansas, I was in Kansas when there was that vote on that ballot initiative. Um, it was really sad to see that that failed. But there's another opportunity in Kentucky to take a step towards life and protecting life. So on November 8th, voters will have the opportunity to vote on an amendment to the Kentucky Constitution that specifically would add language to their state constitution that says life begins at conception. Now, on the other hand, you have states like California and Vermont, and they are voting on amendments that will specifically say there is a right to abortion within their state constitution. Michigan is also considering such an amendment. And then in Montana, they are voting on a, a ballot measure that would protect babies born alive after botched abortions. Very interesting. It's important for voters to be looking out for exactly what they're voting for on November 8th. I'm sure you would agree. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Look closely at the wording and do your research beforehand. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Virginia Allen of The Daily Signal. To continue the conversation, we are joined by Katie Glenn, State Policy Director at Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America. Katie, I want to focus on Texas, since there's a lot going on there right now when it comes to legislation. Texas's Heartbeat Act was the first one that received a lot of buzz. Now the state has enacted a law that stops all abortions. Can you tell me how that's affected the abortion rate there and why Texas is receiving so much criticism from the other side? Well, the biggest reason Texas is being criticized is because this law is working. What we saw between September 1st of 2021, when the heartbeat law took effect until the end of December last year, was a drop of 46% of all abortions in the state. And we know now that this total prohibition, total protection for life is in effect, that's going to drop even more. Um, but even if you look back at the recent history of Texas, 
um, 15 years ago, Texas had over 77,000 abortions a year. Last year, that was under 50,000. So they've been steadily dropping. And that's what makes the other side so upset is because they want a world with more abortions. And Texas says we want fewer. Right. And when writing about these pro-life laws, the pro-abortion media is claiming it's limiting health care for women. They're demonizing Texas, saying that people have to flock to other states to get abortion and that women won't get the emergency treatment that they need. But Dr. Ingrid Skopp says otherwise. This is a quote from her. Nothing in the new Texas pro-life law is in conflict with standard medical guidance, nor would it prevent me from providing the same care I have always provided women facing potentially life-threatening complications. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Katie, but don't patients want more doctors like Dr. Skopp who are gonna go to great lengths to save not just the mom, but the baby as well? That's absolutely right. The law that the Biden administration is trying to use to bully states like Texas is called EMTALA, and it's about emergency care. When that law was written, it was written to reflect that when a pregnant woman comes to an emergency room, every doctor there has two patients, the mother and the baby. And that's how pro-life uh, OBGYNs and doctors see it. They see themselves as having two patients, and most women want to be seen not as the only patient, but as their uh, their child to also get the critical care they need. So this is just an opportunity for them to try to force abortion into the law somewhere it was never meant to be. But women know the difference. They know that they need real medical care from doctors who care about them and their children. Yeah, and let's dig into that a little bit more, what the Biden administration is trying to do here on the judicial side. The pro-abortion Secretary of Health and Human Services, Javier Becerra, is trying to classify elective abortions as emergency services in Texas in order to work around the law. And thankfully, a federal court has just issued an order blocking this attempt for now. But what does all of this say about our federal judicial system and the people that are in power in Washington right now? Well, elections have consequences, and unfortunately right now we have an administration that is pro-abortion. They're unashamed of that. They said that they were going to use a whole-of-government solution to try to force abortion on pro-life states, and they're making good on that threat. They're suing states. They're trying to sue individuals. But states like Texas and many others are pushing back, and they're saying no. Um, Idaho is another state that's really pushing back on this idea that abortion is necessary in an emergency room and saying, when a woman comes into an emergency room, we've got two patients. That's what our law says. That's what our values are. And that's what we're going to defend. Yeah. And you just alluded to this. More than a dozen states have taken action to protect the unborn since Roe versus Wade was overturned. SBA Pro-Life America has been monitoring this online through their pro-life laws tractor, tracker. It's really impressive. Could you tell us about it? So we've got a website, lifesavinglaws.com. I encourage you to check it out, save it on your browser. We're updating it sometimes more than once a day um, as cases come in and laws are able to go into effect. So we're very excited to have several laws take effect last week, including Texas. And we're gonna keep updating that so that the American people know where their states stand and can decide to move with their feet if they feel like their state's not expressing their values. Yeah, wow, that's a fantastic resource. Thank you so much, Katie Glenn of Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you.
A new poll conducted by CRC Research shows a vast majority of Americans on both sides of the political spectrum support maternity homes and pregnancy resource centers. Pro-abortion lawmakers on Capitol Hill seem ignorant of these findings as they promote recent announcements by Google and Yelp that they will censor legitimate pregnancy centers, hence keeping women from the help they need. U.S. Senator Mark Warner of Virginia said he welcomed the announcement by Google to clearly mark what he calls fake clinics or crisis pregnancy centers so that women seeking abortions aren't, quote, misled. And joining me now is Jor-El Godzi, president of Heartbeat International, to discuss. Thank you so much for joining me. Google's new update will make it so that when women are searching for help online, the only facilities that will populate will be verified abortion providers. Is this legal? I don't know if it's legal. It's not my uh, forte as far as the law is concerned. I do trust that our legal friends will be after it. Mm-hmm. Um, but frankly, it's uh, it's unethical. It's it's um, immoral. I mean, imagine if only slave owners could be the ones that were referred to by Google if slavery were the matter that we were talking about. This is un- unconscionable, Prudence, and it's something that shouldn't be happening. Big, big tech should not be involved in this conversation and certainly not throwing its massive political weight around. Mm, yeah, and I want to dive into this this 85 fund poll that was conducted by CRC Research. When asked point blank whether they support the public funding of pregnancy resource centers, 64% of Americans said yes. And after respondents learned about the resources that these centers have to offer, that level of support jumped 10 percentage points to 74%. Now, these numbers still hold true, even among a majority of Democrat voters. So, Jarrell, people clearly want what these centers have to offer. Why are senators like Elizabeth Warren and Mark Warner calling for them to be shut down? It's a mystery um, if if we only look at the surface. Underneath the surface, of course, we see that the abortion industry has long been supporters of uh, senators like Warren and, and Warner and others. Uh, and so we wonder if this isn't really more about a payback, because this is not what the American people want. I mean, we watched uh, even during the last election, during the primaries, when one of the Democrat candidates for president basically said there was no room for Democrats uh, for pro-life Democrats in the Democrat Party. Now, that is unconscionable as well. Right. Uh, the fact that, that they're willing to dismiss an entire group of, of people who are uh, who are very much concerned about the life issue, very much concerned about helping women uh, have access to something besides abortion. And here we have senators that are simply boxing out, not only just promoting abortion, but actually working to box out alternatives to abortion. That doesn't seem like choice at all. It seems like really an an abortion distortion in our political realm. Right, and it seems like silencing a lot of people and what they believe. Mm -hmm. 80% of respondents agree that protesters who engage in acts of violence against pregnancy resource centers and churches should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Can we rely on our law enforcement to investigate these acts and, and do something to reprimand groups like Ruth sent us and Jane's Revenge? They've attacked hundreds of churches and pregnancy centers at this point. I wish we could. I I wish our own elected officials would be the representatives, the courageous representatives that we know that even 80 percent of the public is standing up and saying this should happen. Uh, There should be investigation. Now, we know that the FBI has been investigating, but I think apparently the FBI have other things in mind and are not really applying themselves to what is tantamount to domestic terrorism. Uh, when, When they're leaving messages like, if abortion is not safe, neither are you, that's terrorism. That's not just designed against those that they 
they are specifically attacking. It's also designed to really push back and uh, make others afraid. Uh, and that is the very definition of terrorism. Yes, right. Are there any other findings from the poll or details that you'd like to share with us, Jarrell? Well, I appreciate that, that the, the CRC has pulled out some key information about public funding. But keep in mind, like, there are good conservatives who don't believe that that uh, the, the public taxpayer should be really helping, you know, everybody. And so they might not even have included themselves in that. I think the support is actually higher for pregnancy centers and for the work of pregnancy help, such as maternity homes. Uh, but I would also say that we know that those that actually access uh, pregnancy centers are seeing, are, are, are really getting their needs met. At poll after poll, time after time, when we evaluate years of uh, exit surveys, we continue to see 97, 98% satisfaction rate of those that actually access the services at their local pregnancy help organization. That is a testimony to success, to care, to love, and to compassion. And that's really what pregnancy help is all about. Yeah, we have to keep circling around these centers. They are truly saving lives every day. Darrell Godsey of Heartbeat International, thanks so much for joining us and for sharing all those details. God bless you. Thank you, Prudence. Thank you, Prudence. Coming up, American rapper Lado joins Planned Parenthood to advocate for the killing of unborn children, especially those who would be born of minority women. I speak out. Plus, a mother of four was diagnosed with terminal breast cancer at 14 weeks of pregnancy and says she is extremely blessed to be here today. We have her story next. Welcome back to EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. American rapper Lado teams up with the nation's largest abortion business, Planned Parenthood, to advocate for the killing of unborn children. That is this week's Speak Out segment. In her public service announcement, the 23-year-old says she is not okay with the Supreme Court taking away a woman's so-called right to kill her own child and condemned pro-life laws in effect across the country. She even goes as far as to say that the government is forcing women to give birth and become moms. The Supreme Court took away our right to abortion, so now politicians are banning abortion and millions of people live in states where it's illegal. I'm not okay with it. We have to decide whether and when we want to be a parent but they want to force us to give birth. In a statement to Billboards, Lado says she wants to use her platform to push for things she is passionate about. That includes bashing pro-life laws and calling for the death of innocent children on a widespread scale. It's sad that Lado thinks that becoming the poster child for Planned Parenthood is going to help women like her. In the span of this 30-second ad, as she tells people to give the Planned Parenthood cash cow more money, she's actually ending the lives of millions of babies. Let's keep exposing Planned Parenthood as the killing industry it is and pray for Lado's conversion. Jessica Hanna, a mother of four, was diagnosed with breast cancer when she was 14 weeks pregnant with her son, Thomas Solanas. She says doctors suggested having an abortion, but she declined. She held on to her faith as doctors later in her pregnancy discovered her tumor to be terminal. Aggressive treatment was then prescribed. 
After giving birth, Hannah was scanned for distant metastasis and appeared to have been miraculously healed. Her supposed terminal cancer was now curable. And joining me now via Zoom is Jessica Hannah, pro-life advocate and cancer survivor. Jessica, thanks so much for joining me. Tell us about your journey and how giving birth to your son, Thomas Solanus, was different than your other pregnancies. <laughs> it was so different. I mean, this was God calling me to something so big. Um, I've always been a big pro-life advocate ever since I was younger, prior to being married, prior to ever having children, very outspoken about it, social media, friends, uh, whether it's social suicide or you're about to get attacked by the other side. I, I was always so vocal about it. And um, when it came to being pregnant with my fourth child, um, one day I discovered that I had a dent in my breast, and this was before I was pregnant. I, I saw I had a dent in my breast in the mirror, and it turned out to be uh, cancer, uh, breast cancer, and I at first they misdiagnosed it. They told me it was fine, it was benign. I end up getting pregnant only two weeks later, and he's the one that actually saved my life because if it wasn't for me getting pregnant, I never would have double checked it. It was actually when I went to the first OB appointment, um, I decided that, hey, you know, there was this thing that was there. Why don't we get it looked at again? And yes, it did become um, evident that it actually was breast cancer. Wow. And so this baby saved my life. And from then on, it was just a journey of wow, now you've talked the talk, the pro-life talk. Now you've become the woman that everybody uses in their arguments. What if the woman's life is in danger? And now it's time for me to walk the walk. So yeah. very wow. different. That's amazing. And so courageous that you chose life. Which saints played a big role in your journey, Jessica? So the biggest saints, one of them assumed to be saint is Blessed Father Solanus Casey. He's located in Detroit. His body's buried in a tomb here. Um, and I went to him after every chemo uh, therapy treatment. And I prayed at his tomb for me to be miraculously healed and for my son to come out um, beautiful and healthy. Another big saint was St. Gianna Bredamola, who you know was also um, pregnant with a life-threatening illness. And she, as I, chose the middle road. So I did choose to do some treatment that was safe during uh, pregnancy, as many people are not aware, chemotherapy can be actually quite safe during pregnancy. And so I chose the middle road that I would do some chemotherapy with some modifications. And she was a big inspiration for me. In fact, her daughter, uh, Dr. Gianna, who she gave birth to, um, actually sent me an email and sent me one of her relic cards during oh my, um, my fight. Wow, yeah. that's so beautiful. And those saints delivered a miracle. Tell us about how you have used social media to highlight your sorrows and your joys throughout this difficult time. So when I got diagnosed, I felt God calling me to something. I thought, I, I thought no suffering should ever go to waste. Mm -hmm. So instead of kind of just curling up in a ball and crying or waiting to see what would happen and then share with people, I thought I'm going to share immediately. I literally made uh, social media two days after my diagnosis. I didn't know where God was taking me. I didn't know if I would live or die. Of course, after my surgery, they found it was a 13 centimeter tumor, 43 lymph nodes positive. They told my husband I was terminal, likely terminal. They couldn't scan me. They couldn't figure it out. But it looked like it appeared that the, the cancer was probably everywhere all over my body if it was that big mm. under my breast and my arm. And I thought, you know what? 
when I got that news, I said, I'm going to keep going with this. I, I don't know where God's taking me. Is he going to take me to um, the path where I need to show people how to die gracefully with his grace and mercy? Or is he going to show a miracle? And I didn't know what it was, but I decided to use the social media to show people that no matter what you think is going to happen, it's God, it's trusting God that's the most important. It's the trust that you are going to abandon your own desires and wants, and you're going to leave it at the foot of the cross and let him take care of it. And so I brought people along this journey. And what I would do is I would post novenas and prayers, and we all would pray together. We prayed together before every treatment. We prayed during treatments. I also used my treatments as a way to offer up. So I would post that, okay, today I'm getting chemo and I offer it to so-and-so person who messaged me with their uh, problem that they're having. Mm. So it was a way to make a prayer community to offer up our sufferings. And I showed people how I would unite my sufferings with Christ's cross. And um, it's just become this really big and amazing prayer community that I'm so grateful for. Such and now we pray for other people as well who send in their own requests. Yeah, such a testament to the power of prayer. Your strength is so admirable, Jessica. What is your message to mothers who are going through difficult pregnancies and might even be considering abortion at this time? Well, first of all, never ever go with one opinion. No, so this is just the um, medical professional me speaking. I am a pharmacist and I would not take one medical opinion for, for gold. I would go and I, I got about maybe, I wanna say around eight to 10 opinions before I even did anything. So make sure you get different opinions because I was told to terminate by a couple doctors and it, it actually was not, not necessary at all. My prognosis didn't change and my treatment plan did not change pregnant or not pregnant. That's number one. Number two, you want to go to Our Lady. Our Lady, the Blessed Virgin Mary, is somebody who knows what it's like to have the sorrows when it comes to your child and the fear. And so if you go to her, she will take those fears. She will bring them to her son and she will beg with you um, in order for him to deliver um, and to bring his mercy upon you and your child. She just understands you more than anyone else. Mm -hmm. And lastly, any suffering you have, it doesn't go to waste. I want you to unite it with Christ's cross, whether it is an IV poke and you're thinking about the nails being driven in his hands and feet, or if you're having an agony waiting upon a scan or a test results, think of his agony in the garden and his agony of our sins. Mm. I think those three, those three hints are just some of my um, most amazing advice I can give any woman who's going through any type of tragedy while they are pregnant with cancer, pregnant in general. Very, very wise words. Thank you so much for joining us, Jessica Hanna. God bless you. We're praying for you and your beautiful family. Thank you. That does it for this edition of EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Until next time, we'd love to hear from you. Find us on social media at EWTN Pro-Life on all social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're there. You can also send us a message by emailing ProLifeWeekly at EWTN.com. We love to hear from you. Remember, life is a gift. Your life is a gift. God bless.